Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Current. I'm David. Has your life ever taken unexpected turns? Like you were hoping life would turn out a certain way, maybe even planning for it too, but then it just headed in a completely different direction. I remember when I was a little guy, I had no thought in the world that I would ever live in China. But then I ended up rooming in college with a blonde haired blue eyed guy who happened to speak Mandarin and have a heart for China and together with him spent some time in China, developing a heart for China myself. And then I happened to date and eventually marry a Taiwanese American gal who herself had a heart for China. And I ended up in China. Never thought I'd be there. Totally unexpected. But there I was in, in China. And then when we got there, we told people that we would be there probably one year, two years tops. I mean, it wasn't going to be a long term. Uh, thing, at least in, in our minds. But then we just started experiencing wonderful opportunity being put in front of us after wonderful opportunity. And we just figured, you know what? Maybe God is having us here long term. And so we started to actually plan for that. We, we became pregnant with our, our firstborn. We we're planning to raise him there. Totally unexpected that we would be there. And yet right in the midst of all of that, we got the unexpected news that uh, a family member had a, a health crisis which brought us back in a matter of weeks to the US. Uh, totally unexpected. And then, you know, being back in the US, uh, this was in the middle of the recession, without a job and a baby on the way, we we're looking for, for, for jobs. I was trying to figure out what to do. Long story short, from that time to now, Cindy and I look back on it and just shake our heads at how God used all of that. Uh, <laughs> all of these unexpected turns to, to ultimately bring us to a place of, of putting us on a team to, to start current here in the Silicon Valley. And we just shake our heads at, at God's goodness in it all. Now, was it all easy? Uh, was it all pain-free? No, it was really hard at times. I mean, there's there's fun times, but there's there's a lot of, lot of challenges, but God has always been good in the midst of it, even as life has taken just so many unexpected turns for us. We've all experienced life taking unexpected turns. I mean, this whole year of 2020 is an unexpected turn. No one predicted this. I mean, nobody had a concept of this idea of shelter in place just a, just a year ago, right? And, and then once shelter in place did hit, none of us, I, I imagine, thought it would last this long, but here we are. But here's the question. When life takes unexpected turns, how do you handle it? Like, how are you dealing with it, processing it, navigating it? Uh, we come now to the last chapter in the book of Acts as we conclude our series, We're Still the Church, and we see the Apostle Paul finally arriving in Rome. But he gets there in an unexpected way. He gets there as a prisoner. He had always hoped to get there, but never anticipated that he would go get there as a prisoner. And what's incredibly helpful about our text today, I believe, is we see, whereas you and I, probably when unexpected terms happen, we're driven more towards feelings of despair, you know, anger, frustration, confusion, maybe. Uh, we see here when life takes unexpected turns for Paul, he thrives. And so we're going to consider his example today to consider how we too, with God's help, can thrive even, even as life takes unexpected turns. So let me pray and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father, 2020 has been an unexpected year. Uh, it's been incredibly hard for, for all of us and, and, and for some especially so. And so, and, and Father, we wanna bring our cares and our, and our worries to you because we know you care for us. 
You know, you hear us and you, and you, you provide for us. You answer our prayers. And yet we also uh, pray that you would help us have this perspective that really Paul models here in this text as we get into it. One that really sees you as in control and, and, and to help us thrive and be about the things that you call us to. Um, Father, would you please give each of us your spirit now as we turn to your word, um, helping us become more like Jesus today. We ask in your name. Amen. All right. Well, since today is our last day in the book of Acts, I thought I'd give us kind of a high-level recap of events. Uh, we are now in chapter 28, and the book of Acts up to this point has spanned 30 years. I mean, we're talking three decades of time has elapsed since Jesus originally gave his great commission to his early followers, to his church then and today. His mission, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's our mission today as a church, as we're still the church, even as we're sheltered in place, to be witnesses for Jesus. And that verse, Acts 1.8, acts not only acts not only as a theme verse for, for, for the book, but really outlines the book. Because what we see is there starting in chapter 2, the gospel does uh, the gospel or good news of Jesus does start to to get out in Jerusalem, and then by chapter eight it gets out to uh, Samaria, Samaria. Philip speaking to the Samaritan, uh, kind of a, a half Jew, eth ethnically, religiously, and then it's in chapter ten it's getting out through Peter, albeit a little reluctantly at first, to the first Gentile or non-Jew, uh, the the Roman centurion Cornelius. And then along the way, we're introduced to this guy named Saul, who later becomes known as Paul. And at first, he's described as someone breathing out murderous threats against God's people. I mean, literally hunting Christians down, arresting them, even killing them. But then he encounters the risen Lord on the road to Damascus and has a 180 and, and ultimately becomes essentially the number one spokesman for the gospel. And Paul takes the good news of Jesus out into the then known world, further and further out into the Mediterranean Sea and surrounding areas. He does this through what's known as uh, missionary journeys. He did three missionary journeys where he was going out, starting new churches, telling people about Jesus. Well, at the end of his third and last missionary journey, he essentially told his traveling companions, all right, guys, I'm going to head back to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to carry on to Rome. I mean, of course, with the idea of, man, we got to take the gospel to Rome, because if we can take it to Rome, we could take it everywhere. The only thing was, it didn't turn out quite as he expected. And when he got to Jerusalem, he ended up being arrested, and really on some trumped-up charges. And then he faced uh, trial after trial after trial in the, in the criminal justice system uh, because of his faith in Jesus. And it wasn't really going anywhere. People were saying all sorts of things that weren't, weren't really true or helpful. Ultimately, after a few years actually, he appealed his case, being a Roman citizen, he appealed his case to Caesar. And they quite literally shipped him off as a prisoner to Rome to share his, appeal his case there. Well, along the way, and you can read about this before today's chapter, uh, they were shipwrecked. Paul, as a prisoner, as he's being taken there, uh, faced a scary storm that even the trained sailors on, on crew of his boat were just terrified of. They, they almost died, in many respects, probably should have died, but they ended up being saved. God spared them all. And where we pick up in the story today is they're being washed up on the island of Malta. And really what we see here in these first few verses that I'll, that I'll read here in a second is a series of roller coaster type events. We see a high, 
followed by a low, followed by another high. They wash, they wash up on this island and the natives see them there and, and don't attack them, actually provide for them. I ca I'll call that a high. They're safe. But then right after that, Paul is out collecting brushwood for the fire and a snake, a venomous viper, bites him, fastens itself to his hand. And I will go ahead and call that a low. But then uh, after some time, when, when he doesn't keel over and, and die or show any ill effects, uh, he's, he's, he's good. He's okay. And uh, I'll go ahead and call that another high. He's, he's spared. Uh, so let's read these events and then we'll, we'll draw some principles. Acts 28 verses 1 through 6 say, Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and... As he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. What we see here, of course, uh, really through the natives being our spoke spokesman, is this subtle idea of karma, right? I mean, it's this idea of, wow, Paul had these events happen to him. He, you know, he's, he's been saved. Things must be going well for him. God or the gods must be, must be happy with him. Oh, but now he's bitten by a viper. Uh, they must be really upset with this guy must be a terrible person. Oh, he, he survived this. Well, that must mean he's, he's, he's incredible. Everything's going okay. It's just this kind of back and forth. And I think a lot of the world operates from this mindset, including, by the way, Christians. Uh, I remember when I was uh, younger in my faith, uh, I had this mindset, uh, at least at times. I used to play baseball. Baseball was my life. And I remember after a number of games where I just didn't play well, I thought, man, God must be upset with me. Oh, it must be because of that, what I did, you know, back then and that day. Or, and then when I had a great day, it's like, oh, God must be happy with me. Like that, that was just my, my, my frame of, of reference. But the Bible teaches us that's not how the world works. I mean, think about it from Paul's perspective. I mean, Paul had literally just been through the ringer. I mean, he had gone to Jerusalem thinking that he was going to then, you know, head, back, head on to Rome and everything would be fine. Certainly, he didn't expect to become a prisoner, but he ended up becoming a prisoner. And then on the way, they're shipwrecked. They, they thought they were going to die. That doesn't happen. They're safe. They make it to this island. Okay, phew. But then after all of that, he's bitten by this venomous snake. I mean, how would you have responded? in that moment, at, at the soul level, if you had been Paul. I mean, imagine if, if, if you're like me, you probably would have been tempted to feel, oh my goodness, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Like, are you serious? All this is happening? Like, I'm, I'm done. I can't do it. I think a lot of us actually have that kind of response to the many things that are happening right now in 2020, right? I mean, it's just been hard thing after hard thing this year. It, just, it can pile up the stresses, the, the, the pressures, the strains. And I imagine for, for some, many, if not most, it's gotten to the place where it's like, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Or we feel on the brink of like, I, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this. And maybe there's a spiritual element. Like, God, how could you allow this happening? Paul certainly could have 
been tempted to feel that way. I mean, he'd been doing everything for God, starting churches for God, trying to get to Rome for God, and yet he's ultimately going to get there as a prisoner, and maybe he's not even going to have that happen now that the snake is fastened to him. And yet, how does Paul respond? He, he literally and metaphorically just shakes it off. He just isn't phased at all by it. Instead, he understands and trusts that God is in control and loves him dearly and wants to love through him, uh, regardless of circumstances, whether they pan out the way he was hoping or planning or whether life took him in unexpected terms. This is why, for example, the book of Job is in the Bible, at least in, in many respects. Job was described by God in that book as being blameless and upright. God himself describing Job as blameless and upright. And yet, if you know the story of Job, you know, even so, Job suffered terribly. Of course, the greatest example of all is Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless Son of God coming into this world, facing not just some hardship, but unimaginably uh, terrible hardship, going to the cross and bearing our hardship for us by dying on the cross for our sins. Circumstances aren't always going to go the way that we expect. But what we can know is that regardless of how circumstances play out, whether they head in the direction of what we'd expect or not, God is good. And all the time, He is good. God is good. When things are going great, He is good. When things are not going great, He is good. And you know what? He loves you. If things are going great, you are His beloved child. If things are not going great, guess what? You and I are still his beloved child. He loves us. He cares for us. So we don't have to calculate like it's some zero-sum game. Oh, this is happening because of this. I mean, it's good to reflect on things that maybe we've done in the past that we need to kind of confess or own up or grow from and in. But the reality is we can't just go at life thinking, oh, well, it must be because of this, this, or that. No, rather, we just need to understand and live from that God loves us, is with us, and for us, regardless of, of life circumstances. We don't have to be tossed around by the, the waves or the winds of life bashing against our boat, so to speak. Uh, one of my favorite metaphors in the scriptures about God's love for us is when it describes Jesus as, as our hope and anchor for our souls. He's our anchor for our souls. That metaphor means a lot to me, having grown up going out on boats as, as a little guy. I mean, we just would go out on these little sailboats, but we got to sail across you know, this, the uh, uh, Southern California seas out to Catalina when I was a little guy before we moved up to the, the Bay Area. We, we were out on the open seas, and man, if you've ever been out on a boat, even in just like the mildest of like storms, it can be really scary. I mean, you're just really at the mercy of of the winds and, and, the, and the waves. It, it can be scary, but Anchors are incredible in that you can, provided of course you're in shallow enough waters, throw down the anchor and it'll just latch on to the, to the sea bottom and hold you tight, hold you securely. Now what the anchor won't do is just make the wind and waves stop beating against your boat. That's not going to happen. But I'll tell you, it's really incredible to experience how anchors really hold you securely. You're still moving around. And I remember the first few times I, I 
experience this, I was thinking the anchor's gonna come off. Like I, this is not gonna work. But the more you experience that, the more you realize, wow, this anchor is really gonna do its job in spite of the waves and the wind coming at you. Jesus is our hope and the anchor of our souls. Regardless of whether life is coming at us in a way that we would have expected, hoped for, planned for, or not, he is our anchor. We can trust him. He will be with us. The first point here is we need to know that our circumstances are not necessarily indicative of God's favor or disfavor in our lives. I mean, our minds shouldn't even go there. We should just, regardless of how things pan out, know that we can trust the Lord, understanding that he is good and working for good all the time. And he is our anchor for our souls. Uh, what we see uh, next is that actually, even out of this, Paul pivots and utilizes this time to serve and care for others. It's pretty incredible. I mean, he's going through this up and down, and, and he's bitten by the snake, and he literally shakes the snake off. And, and then he sees that these, these natives, these people are, are like looking to him and like, whoa, what's going on? And Paul sees an opportunity to serve and meet needs. God gives him a, a short season of, of healing folks, caring for others. And I just imagine that if Paul were, were being taken down by things not working out the way that he would have expected, as we often can, he would have missed that entirely. He would have missed the opportunity to step in, and we're not going to look at these verses, but you can read them, verses 7 through, through 10, this opportunity to step in and meet some needs, tangibly, physically, and intangibly, spiritually, no doubt telling people about Jesus. Well, eventually they put out to sea again on another boat. It takes them some time to get to, to Rome, but eventually they arrive. And we can only imagine how Paul must have felt when they got there. Because they get there, he gets there, but he gets there in chains. Let's pick up in verse 14. It says, And so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the form of Appius, and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. All right, so we've already seen that when life takes unexpected turns, we know that, that circumstances aren't necessarily indicative of God's favor or, or lack thereof in our lives. But here we see that when life takes unexpected turns, we need to, like Paul, be looking for God's encouragement. I love how Luke here, the author who, by the way, was with Paul here as, as he's using the third pers uh, personal pronoun, we, to describe the events that are happening to all of them, include, including Paul. He, he writes explicitly that Paul thanked God and was encouraged when these brothers and sisters of Christ came to greet him. I wonder if you're like me when things are hard, uh, you have the tendency to just go tunnel vision and get so focused on what's hard and what's you know upsetting, frustrating, maybe confusing, that you might miss signs of God's goodness in your life happening just right around you. Uh, for me, it can easily happen. I can get so focused on what's hard and what's painful, what, what's challenging about whatever I'm facing, what that happens to not have gone the way I would have hoped or expected, that I miss God's encouragement right in front of me. Paul here, obviously wishing he had gotten to Rome, in by other means, not in chains, was still looking for God's goodness in it all, and, and saw 
and was able to receive God's encouragement to him through these brothers and sisters of Christ. Look, God loves you at all times, but are you watching for his goodness in your life? And are you able to receive it? I'll tell you what, when we've done these drive-throughs uh, at Current, the last few months, we haven't obviously been able to meet in person as we have in past in, in the past, but we've been able to get together for these drive-throughs where we've done socially uh, safe distance kind of events to see one another and say hello through through car through car door windows and and all of those such things. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, even as uh, you know, I'm I'm I'm. I have the role of pastor and I'm out there, you know, looking to serve and take care of others in the church. I have left each and every one of these incredibly encouraged. When you have shown up either to volunteer or you've shown up in the car uh, with your family, just to say a brief hello, you know, get a package you can give to a neighbor to love them through, whatever the case may be, and you've just, you've shown up, I have been incredibly encouraged just by the short conversations we've been able to have. I, I've just, they've meant so much to me. In fact, Cindy and I, when we've gone home from each of these events, have been like, man, we really need it. That was a shot in the arm to see our, our friends and family uh, of the current church uh, out there at, at one of these events. We've missed each other. Uh, these things might seem small, but they're not. I can only imagine how encouraged Paul must have been when these brothers and sisters traveled, you know, some good distance out of their way to greet him and escort him ultimately to his prison. And, you know, he could have missed the encouragement in that. He could have missed God's goodness in that. But instead, he, it's as if he had his radar up to see God's goodness. Things weren't turning out the way he'd expected, but that's okay. He didn't miss the fact that God is good all the time, and he was able to receive God lifting his spirits even in the midst of something not turning out the way he had expected. So friends, let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, when was the last time you felt encouraged? You know, if you're going through some hard times, and doubt, we're, we're all going through hard times, and we all, of course, need encouragement. When was the last time you felt encouraged? And if you're sitting there and thinking, I haven't felt encouraged, can I ask you, are you having your eyes open to receive encouragement? Because it seems to me what human nature can easily do to us is encouragement's happening around us, but it's not happening the way I would have thought or wanted or, or and we miss it. But God's goodness and love to us is, is, is often right in front of us, but we, we miss it. Do you have the eyes for it and are you able to receive it? We talked even these last few weeks about Thanksgiving and our, and our mindset of being able to have gratitude no matter the season, that we can rejoice in the Lord always and always have Thanksgiving. But that's a choice. That's something we have to actively choose and look for, even as it's readily available. Can you look for God's goodness in your life? Uh, my brother-in-law, I think I've shared this before, uh, a pastor himself uh, has told me one time that he's like, when he's going through hard seasons, he's just like, you know, I've realized I just need to pray and ask God for some encouragement. And then he says this, and I've found that God always sends encouragement. God's looking to encourage. His goodness is always in front of us. When was the last time you felt encouraged? Can you be open to, can you put your radar up to, to receive it? And then here's the other question. Can you offer encouragement to others? I love how these brothers and sisters of Christ made the effort to go to Paul. In his time of need, when things weren't going as he thought or would have expected, they took it upon themselves to travel the distance and basically act as a welcoming committee to him, to encourage him. 
Is there anyone you can encourage these days? Uh, this is incredibly important. We've talked about this, but we can't underestimate the importance of the ministry of encouraging others all the more during these times. It's actually my prayer that Current would be known as a church that just over the top encourages one another. Last thought, when unexpected times come, uh, we see here in Paul that we need to remember the main thing. When unexpected times come in life, we need to remember the main thing. Paul gets to Rome as a prisoner, and you wanna guess what he does first thing when he gets there? I mean, if you know Paul, you, you probably know what he does. The first thing he does is he rounds up the local Jewish leaders in the city, bring them to him, and tell them about Jesus. He just, after, we're not going to read all this text, it's just too much to kind of hit all of it. You, you can look at verses 17 through 28. He starts by saying, hey, this is why I've been brought here. Here's my defense. Like, really, these, these charges are, are trumped up. And, but then he just spends the rest of the time with them, pointing them to Jesus. From the scriptures, of course, they were Jewish leaders, so they would have under, understood the scriptures. So he just was kept connecting the dots for them. And we see him taking these unexpected turns in life to really focus on the main thing. The main thing being, being Jesus' witnesses. Acts 1.8, witnessing for Jesus, taking it out. Paul hadn't expect to get to Rome as a prisoner. He had wanted to get to Rome, just he got there in an unexpected way, but that didn't change the main thing, which was to be a witness for Jesus. If I'm real, it seems to me that one of the reasons Christians have a hard time when unexpected terms come upon us, um, and, I, and I put myself in, in this, by the way, is it's because we're living for things that aren't the main thing. You know, when, when our work situation doesn't work out the way we're hoping, or when our relationships don't work out just the, the, how we were expecting them to go, or our living situation, we had planned and hoped for it to be this way or that way, and it's just not shaping up in that way. It seems to me we often have hard times in that, almost especially because we're not living for the main thing, we're living for other things. Now, real quickly, it's not to say we're not to mourn things or have, you know, th that those aren't necessarily good desires, but it's just to say if those things take us out when they're not happening, when things don't work out as we would hope or expect. Perhaps we're not living for the main thing. That's what's interesting about Paul's example here. That just blows him, it blows me away by how he lives his life. We find out here that Paul ultimately wasn't living for things to turn out the way he would hope or expect them to. Because when things don't turn out the way that he'd hope or expected them, he's thriving. In fact, he's just seeing it as something he can pivot on to help and care for others and point people towards Jesus. He knew what the main thing was, and because of that, he, he really thrived. And you know what? Paul being in prison in this way, for life not going the way he had hoped or expected, actually in itself became an incredible gift for you and for me. Because not only in this time of custody did he tell people about Jesus, and no doubt that rippled out to today, and, and many people, probably even including ourselves at this church, coming to faith through God, working through such things. But we also have such wonderful books in the Bible like Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, which he wrote during this very time of being in custody. This is to say, these two years were not wasted. It didn't turn out the way Paul 
wanted it to turn out or had expected to turn out, but they were not wasted. God didn't waste Paul's time in Rome. And that's just it. God never wastes our time. But the question becomes, are we living for the main thing? And, and really, the only thing, to, to think about it, how Jesus put it, the only thing that will never rust or moths will never destroy. Living for eternity, helping people come to know and grow in Jesus. Check out how the book of Acts closes. I mean, to think that Paul's in prison here, uh, even as we hear the tone of, of these last few verses of Acts, it, it concludes, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I love this. He's proclaiming Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul himself may have been chained and put into custody, but the gospel went out unhindered. And even though the book of Acts ends with Paul in prison, what we see here, of course, through the tone of what Luke is writing through these final events here is, is an invitation of joy and expectancy to join Paul and really Jesus in the great work of telling people about Jesus. And you know, it's worth noting here in these last few verses, and you can, you can look at this, at verse 24, that some believed in Jesus and some didn't, but the calling is the same, to live for the main thing, presenting it for others. And really that, friends, is our invitation to you today. If you've logged in today and you've never uh, put your faith in Jesus, you can receive him today by believing and receiving what he did for you on the cross when he died for, for your sins and mine, giving us forgiveness and a restored relationship with God the Father. Nothing you can do can earn that, but you can receive it by faith and God will receive you as a beloved son and, and daughter of his. That's the main thing. That's what we're about as a church and that's what we want to offer. Even when life takes unexpected turns, which it, it, which it will, we can trust him in the midst of it all. But going back to the beginning of this year, I don't know, I, I, I of course would not wish all these events to have happened the way that they happened. I mean, this has been a hard year. On, on many fronts. But you know what we've seen, church family? That God is moving. God continues to move even in the midst of all the unexpected turns that have been taking place. People have been coming to faith in Christ here at Current, which we just thank God for. In fact, I remember uh, one gal specifically coming to faith in Jesus because we started to meet virtually, that she would have never otherwise gone to a church physically, but because things became sheltered in place, she said, okay, I, I'll check it out, and ended up putting her faith in Jesus. Like, it's like, man, if that was what this was worth, we're talking about eternity. I, I think that's worthwhile. Uh, even someone this last week putting their faith in Jesus, this is what it's all about. Not that life would go as expected, but that we would follow God even through the unexpected for his glory and to share his gospel, his good news. Because in the end, that's what will last and it will last. The next life won't have the unexpected turns that this life has that we face here, but Jesus has more than equipped us to face the challenges and unexpected terms in this life. He's our hope and anchor for our souls. And he is the one who gives us encouragement and strengthens our heart to be strong in the midst of it all. 
And he is the one who ultimately gives us opportunity to tell others about himself, helping people come to know the amazing love and amazing grace of God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we confess that we often face unexpected turns in life with, with fear and, and worry and, and frustration, perhaps even throwing up our hands at, at you at times. But, but Father, we recognize and, and are, are so thankful for your grace and goodness to us in the midst of it all. In fact, it's our, it's our deepest heart's desire not to ask necessarily that things would go the way we would hope or expect them to, but our greatest desire is for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Father, we want to be a church like Paul that looks to partner with you, especially when life takes unexpected turns. This has been a hard year, but Father, would you use it and use us to be your gospel light in the midst of it all. Help us please hold out Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.